there's arguments and worldviews and philosophies that we that he says that we demolish and we, we do that with the gentleness of Christ and the winsomeness of Jesus Christ but we still demolish arguments but we don't demolish people this is the defiant dad podcast show number two coming to you today from the great state of Texas my name is Andrew Sullivan thank you so much for making this show part of your day on this podcast we learn how to fight for ourselves We fight for our families, and most importantly, we learn how to fight for the truth of the gospel. This is the very first interview I've ever done on this show. I brought in a good friend of mine by the name of Jeff Jameson. Jeff is a former weather guy, uh, a TV meteorologist, and he was brought onto the staff at my church in Fort Worth about a year ago, where he is now one of our elders. He's a teaching pastor. And a few weeks ago, he delivered a sermon that uh, I felt was so perfect for this podcast as I was envisioning it, starting to plan some of the first episodes. Uh, he preached about the sin of self-preservation. As we look around at the rapidly changing, if not deteriorating, world around us, what are we called to as Christians, as men of God? How can we possibly make a positive impact on the culture? Jeff has some really great insight for us and some wisdom to share, and I know you're going to want to catch every word that he has to say today. So with that, let's jump right in. Thank you first of all, uh, coming out here to my office, to the, to the first, uh, you'd be my first podcast guest. I am incredibly honored to be <laughs> the first podcast guest. And even though you can't see where we are, this place is awesome. Thanks, You've man. done a great job in this Thank space. you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, brother. Yeah. It's, uh, it was a big project. It's something that, uh, you know, when I first set this up, I didn't even know if like I wanted to make this a podcast space. I just wanted it to be a cool place to hang out. Yeah. Um, you know, the closest thing I maybe ever had in my life to a man cave. And uh, I wanted really for it to be a place where I could record music. Yeah. You know, the last house we had, I loved, but it was a little bit on the small side for a family of four. And the kids' bedroom shared a wall with uh, with my office. And so I get the kids down at, you know, 8, 8.30ish and really as a musician, you know, for the last several years, 13 years, like I, yeah, uh, I'm inspired late at night. Uh-huh. It's just when my rhythm is, you know, I'm not, I'm not the type of guy who's usually up at five in the morning or five 30, you know, like a lot of uh, American men. And so, you know, as I, as we moved into this house, I was like, well, we were looking at the house and the layout of the house was just perfect. It was like everything I didn't even know we wanted in a house other than just some of the vital facts about it. And then come out here and find that there's a second garage, like a detached garage. Detached, a de- yeah. detached garage, yeah, like on the opposite end of the property from yep. my kid's bedroom. I'm like, oh, this is going to have to be. Yeah. Like, I it was just love at first sight. You so. don't have to record lullabies anymore. You can actually <laughs> yeah. record songs, like no. loud songs. Oh, man, yeah. No, I was so grateful, so grateful for this space. And then we just... It was the first space that we wanted to start renovating. Mm-hmm. You know, the house was built in 82, but it hasn't really been touched by a decorator or any sort of modern design since like the mid nineties. I think the previous owner told me we had several conversations, kind of a long story there, but the previous owner told me, you know, Oh, the carpets from 1996 and yeah, blah, blah, blah. blah. And to her credit, she and her husband put in several energy saving things. Like there's always nice. Oh man. Yeah. So it's actually for as big of a house as it is, it's quite efficient, I think. Yeah. And I'm so grateful for that. But anyway, yes, yeah, so thank you for the compliments on the space. Yeah. It was fun to work on. I had a guy come over. Once we got all the junk cleared out, first thing we did, I had a guy come over and blow insulation in the walls. He cut, you know, yeah. like a two-inch hole every 16 inches right mm-hmm. in the middle. 
filled it full of white fuzzy stuff. It's high as, and then he went in the attic and did the same thing. And then I had a friend who connected me to an AC installer and he put a mini split in here. And, uh, you had a spray gun, spray, got spray gun. Place. Yeah. Yeah. I was telling you, yeah, I got the spray gun. Great color, great furniture, great decor. Thanks man. Yeah, Appreciate it's it. Yeah. Stuff. It's all, I was so grateful. You know, my wife, she let me, um, have free reign basically with, Within reason, yeah, you know, course. you know, she's like, oh, she she wants to give her opinion, and I solicited her opinion, but yeah, she's like, look, it's your space, yeah. you know, you're gonna do music stuff in there, you're gonna have guys over there, like, I'm not gonna go crazy with the design, but let's, you know, so, yeah, so well, it's we a got gift, s- it's a ministry space, it's a, I'm... it's a consecrated space, literally, it's set <laughs> apart from the rest of your house. Yeah, yes, yeah, I suppose you could say that. Yeah, I'm I'm really thankful for it, honestly, because it. Uh, this wouldn't be possible, honestly. Yeah. And it's nice to be able to record at night, you know, while the kids are asleep because they're not out in the yard and the neighbors aren't mowing the grass. And, yeah. you know, it works it works really good. Because it's not, it's not a soundproof room by any means. I put yeah. up a bunch of panels and stuff, which cuts down. But anyway, thanks, yeah. Jeff. I of appreciate course, you man. so much. Yeah. Uh, I want to get into the uh, this episode today. We're talking about... Um, I, you preached a few weeks ago at our church here at City Church and uh, in Fort Worth and really... You know, you and I have been talking for a few months about doing this podcast, about me wanting to start this, and just want to bounce some ideas off of you. And I was just kind of, kind of waiting to see, waiting to be inspired, I guess, like what the first thing we should talk about, because you know, you really want to start off well, you know. And I, and you preached several weeks ago about um, the sin of self-preservation, and and I really want to get into that. But I guess before we do that, um, I really want to talk about you. Give me like your per- brief personal history, like your professional history, your testimony. Yeah. You know, like how how are you how are you here? Like, how did I get here? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Uh, man, well, I I just I'm so grateful for uh, first of all you and your talents, your gifts, your friendship, and what you Thanks. bring to City Church uh, in the realm of music and leadership and that. Thanks, man. But then when we were talking about this podcast, when you brought this idea to me, I just thought I can't think of a better person to kind of illuminate this topic and expand on this topic and wow. have good conversations about this topic. Uh, even in the, the, the few conversations we've had specifically about this, I think your, your inclinations and insight are really good. So wow. uh, it's an honor to be here. Appreciate and it. Yeah, I'm from Fort Worth, so this is home. Uh, really? Love being home. I've been back in Fort Worth for 20 years after coming back uh, from... Shreveport, Louisiana. I was a meteorologist in my former life. <laughs> yes. Uh, which I know you love. TV meteorologist. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew was telling me anytime anyone brings up weather or I comment on the weather, <laughs> he just giggles like that. It's stupid. Like <laughs> we're playing golf and like, oh yeah, it doesn't look like it's going to be too hot today. I'm like, yeah, you would know that. I know it less and less these days because uh, I, uh, I ended my weather career about four years ago. I, I, I felt a stirring to ministry Probably about 10 years ago, in particular, um, my degree, I went back to school and went to seminary and I uh, got my degree in biblical counseling. That was my my, my great passion was counseling, um, was sitting with people, hearing their story, uh, understanding that we all sin, we're all sinned against, and we all yeah. live in a fallen world where we have trials and sufferings. And, yeah, no doubt. Uh, I had my own, I've had my own over my life with various ways in which I've struggled and sinned and have made, you know, big mistakes along the way. And uh, the Lord really used several key counselors and pastors in my life to really 
help me, uh, hmm. to help me see Christ, yeah. uh, to help me see the joys of knowing God. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think the Lord used those experiences, and then probably about 10 years ago, just felt a call, felt a stirring, okay. felt at some point the weather thing would come to an end, and uh, wow. went to seminary, and then was able to get into vocational ministry at the previous church uh, I was at before coming to City Church back in August. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been a a great joy uh, in my life and my family's life uh, to be at City Church. Hmm. I'm married, have two boys. Uh, They're uh, 13 and 11. So we are in, you know, prime teenage and pre-teenage years. From what uh, I understand, you're in the thick of it. In the thick of that, yeah. Yeah. You know, I I talk to dads and parents all the time, and um, there are no new problems, new issues. They just look differently as yeah. they get older. They're a little bit more sophisticated, and you have more language to work with, but yeah. you still have some of the same sin tendencies as a one- and two-year-old. Huh. Um, but okay. and it's a great fun. It's great fun to be a dad of older boys right now. I'm really having a blast. That's awesome. And how long have you been married? Yeah, Molly and I have been married for 16 years. Got married in 2007. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. What... Uh, what what did it look like when you say you felt the stirring, like you mm-hmm. might want to have a change in your career? You know, yeah. I've done music for 13 years, and yeah. it's hard for me to imagine doing anything different. Like, yeah. especially, I think, because it's just so woven into this, the talents I've been given. Like, music has always been easy yeah. for me. But sometimes I wonder, you know, like, I'm not going to be in my, well, not, not going to be in my 36 now. You know, I'm not going to be in my 20s forever, my 30s forever. Like, I sometimes wonder, like, are there other things coming down the road like so yeah what, what was that like for you when you well for me specifically it was almost like I was looking down at a milk carton and I saw an expiration date and hmm. for whatever reason I was impressed it was impressed upon my heart that uh the weather the the career in meteorology would have an expiration date I felt like the Lord even just gave me the, that imagery and that term yeah but I didn't know what that meant I didn't know when that yeah. there was no like actual date written right. on that carton it's just I knew there was an expiration date and I think a lot of times in my life I just notice what the Lord is what what the Lord's doing at the time mm-hmm. uh, I just kind of look around and notice some of the things that are, that are happening more opportunities I was I had the opportunity to become an elder at our previous church as a as a lay elder yeah. as a someone who was not in vocational ministry. And so I feel like the Lord had brought that into my life to learn how to pastor. Yeah. Um, and then I kind of looked up and saw that and saw that the weather thing would come to an end. And mm. I think this was the the stirring in my heart to pursue biblical counseling and vocational ministry. So why, why counseling specifically? Yeah, you know, I really just um, treasure sitting with people and hearing their story. Um, yeah. And I really feel like um, biblical counseling is um, ha- has been for a long time, but I, Andrew, I really feel like in the realm of uh, evangelism, and I know we're probably going to get into kind of the culture around us um, mm-hmm. and reaching a, a lost world and how to, how to be a Christian, how to be a good father, certainly with your own family, but I think biblical counseling affords an opportunity to set with anyone and be able to apply the gospel to their mm. problems. Yeah, um, we all have problems. We all have uh, afflictions of various intensities. But yeah. uh, there's one answer, and that's the gospel. Yeah. And the Bible is sufficient uh, yeah. to answer those those issues, to address those issues. Not like a encyclopedia. You don't look go to the Bible and look up, you know, uh, depression in the back <laughs> and find the verses. But yeah, uh, surely some Bibles are structured that way. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, some <laughs> yeah. are. 
Um, but yeah, scripture is sufficient for that. And just the wonders of the living word of God and how it can apply to our life. Yeah. 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 It's funny. You, I was telling you, you know, as I was telling you in pre-show a few minutes ago, like, um, the meeting we had this morning with some of the men from our church, like, uh, in first Timothy one, um, I think it's the second half of like, what I want to say like roughly verse five through 11, Mm -hmm. you know, it talks about how Paul talks there about how the law is good when used correctly, mm-hmm. you know, but then what really is so beautiful about the law is when you, is when it illuminates the need for Christ, right. you know, right? because if you don't know that you have sin, you don't have a need for a savior. Yeah. Um, well, you have to remember that grace was given before the law, even uh, I mean, there's the grace of uh, the people being uh, ransomed out of slavery, uh, the people that are being redeemed and crossing over the Red Sea. There was a grace, and then the law was given. And so the law is, yeah. yes, useful and hmm. uh, instructive. And it, for the believer, has a purpose of not only showing us uh, what not to do, but also gives us guide, guidance for how to please the Lord, because yeah. we're able to please, please the Lord when we're in Christ. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, you, you preached a few weeks ago, and this is Again, I was kind of waiting to find like the perfect topic to bring you in for because I knew that this would be a, a good fit, you know, right off the bat, uh, especially given your background in media, you know, like I knew that you could easily, you're comfortable on a microphone, like it's not, you know, going to make you nervous or anything. But um, you, several weeks ago, you're preaching about, the, you're preaching through Joshua, you know, and you're preaching mm-hmm. about uh, a passage I had never heard before. You know, I've been a Christian since 1999, and I had never heard of this part of Joshua before. Granted, I've never gone through it verse by verse like we are now. Uh, and talking about the Gibeonites um, and the arrangement that they had made yeah. with the Israelites as the Israelites rolled into town, so to speak. And <laughs> I, I would love to know, I would love for you if you could like give a brief for anybody else listening sure. who's not familiar with the story as I was. Uh, and, and really, I through that passage, you, you talked about the sin of self-preservation. And I mm. thought, you know, I never really put much thought into it that self-preservation could be a sin. But I mean, it makes sense when I think about it, but I don't, it's not one of those things that just mm-hmm. sticks out to you like every single day. Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, some self-preservation isn't sin. Obviously, we preserve ourselves by not running out in oncoming traffic. Like that's a good, that's a good inclination. <laughs> right, right. Um, but there, I do think, um, as and especially as we consider what that could look like in our day, um, yeah. but in... In uh, the book of Joshua, we have this curious group of people. First of all, in the book of Joshua, if you haven't read it, uh, Israel has come into the long-awaited promised land. They were uh, Their ancestors some 400 years ago, Abraham, uh, was told about this land. They're finally in the land. Joshua brings them in. Uh, we see them uh, conquer Jericho. That's certainly a story most people are oh, familiar with. Yeah, it's in my kid's uh, story, but by the way. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, Ai is the next town uh, mm-hmm. that they take. And then after Ai... Uh, you know, there's a growing chorus in the in this land, the land of Canaan, with the Canaanites, who God has told the Israelites to devote to destruction, to put put to death because of their wickedness, uh, because of their longstanding uh, rebellion and uh, lack of repentance. And part of the Canaanites, a, a, a subset of the Canaanites, were these folks called the Gibeonites. And what they do, uh, they know. Uh, that God has told the, the Israelites to destroy 
the inhabitants of the land. And so yeah. what they do is they pretend that they come from a different land, that they're not in Canaan. They're uh, sojourners. They're, coming yeah, they, they've come from far away, and, and they want to make peace with the Israelites. And so essentially they lie to them, mm-hmm. they dupe them into making this treaty uh, with them so that their lives would be spared. But then, it, then the Israelites do find out that these guys actually uh, live in this land. They were tricking them. Uh, but because of this covenant that they make, they don't destroy them. So essentially, uh, the, the uh, Gibeonites, uh, out of a uh, desire to be preserved, literally, they know that they're going to die if, if something doesn't happen. Of course, I think you read that text and that passage in Joshua, and I think, to me at least, and there's some questions about this, but I think the, the Gibeonites um, were not... Uh, they're not truly having faith in God. I mean, they, they talk about, we, we know God, we, we, you know, we know we've heard about your God, and in some right. sense, you know, we, we think he's great, but I don't think that they had any interest in that moment except just not to die. Right. Yeah. Uh, they just didn't want to die, and so they come up with this story. Mm-hmm. The neat thing about it is that the Gibeonites eventually, part of this, this treaty, this covenant, means that they're a part of, that they are to serve Israel for the rest of the, their days. And so inevitably, some hundreds and hundreds of years later, uh, inevitably, some of the Gibeonites were saved. Some of the Gibeonites were grafted in yeah. to the people of God. And so what that shows is that even if we have untoward motives, even if we are trying to protect ourselves like the Gibeonites were, God can still use that. Yeah. Um, but I do think uh, and the point I made in the sermon is, what does it look like? Obviously, that's an example of people who wanted to preserve themselves unto the Lord, and eventually some of them were saved. But what does it look like on the other end as believers? Here we are in 2023. What does it look like for a believer to see the culture around us yeah. and be afraid? Yeah, Like the Gibeonites were afraid of the Israelites because they've heard all these things they were doing. They've heard about Jericho. They've heard about AI, and they want to preserve their life. What does it look like as a believer when we look around us yeah. and we're, we're tempted to acquiesce, yeah. uh, tell a lie, cover, uh, cower uh, to preserve our life? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's, that was, you know, it's, I kind of hinted at this in my intro monologue, you know, the first episode of this whole thing. Like, I, 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 I don't even know how to say it really, but like, you know, I've been a believer since 1999 and... Uh, I'm 36. Like I've been an adult for a while now, and like the world is wildly changing in front of mm-hmm. our eyes, you know. And I think, in large part, because of uh, the desire for so many people to self-preserve, people don't want to uh, cast uh, bring, bring criticism upon themselves, mm-hmm. you know. And so they're afraid to put their foot down and say what's right or wrong. Yeah, you know, uh, and. and because of that, the culture has has slowly changed, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, you could certainly say that even, you know, back before I was born, you know, say in the 70s, 60s, like, obviously, like, it wouldn't be a f- difficult argument to make that, like, the majority of people were not Christians. But, like, at yeah. the same time, um, the things that we're seeing now, just, just so much rampant uh, sin out in the streets and blatant eyes. Like, I mean, just, just this week, like, you've got you've got people pushing for these books to be published in elementary schools that show, I mean, naked men and women like having intercourse and they want to read these books. They want these books to be freely available to kids, my son's age, Mm -hmm. you know, like stuff like this is just an, it's an abomination. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and now we say, oh, well, it's this is the we're taking away by wanting to shield our kids from that. We're taking away their rights or something like that. Or we're, we're being, you know, uh, over over strict. And I, I just that kind of thing, all these sort of things that are in that vein led me to want to start this podcast, yeah. because I think for too long in the interest of self-preservation, too many godly men or men who mean well, who would call themselves Christians, you know, somewhere, you know, I'd say Christian or Judeo-Christian, you know, men who I think would at least culturally say they are a Christian, you know, have have sat idly by and watched the world change around them because they don't want to bring criticism upon themselves. And now we look around and like, what in the world is going on sure. here? Like, what, is, what has happened? Yeah. I would even say that things have uh, changed so rapidly. I think that's part of the disorientation that we're experiencing. And I think that's what's leading to this, maybe this prevalence of self-preservation in a, that, that is mm-hmm. in, a, in a sinful way. You know, when, to your point, you know, 60s, 70s, I mean, there, there, we had quite a, uh, an era in this country where y- you, you could say there, were, there was a semblance of Judeo-Christian values and Christendom that was, that it was, that it was at least you weren't going to be out and out canceled or attacked or, uh, you know, you weren't, you weren't going to like literally lose your job. Right. Uh, you weren't going to uh, have the threat of your status and comfort taken away. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, you think about it, the the sin of self-preservation is a very close cousin to fear of man. And I think yeah. uh, th- those two things are very closely related. I think how it's changed uh, here in, in the past, you know, 10 years or so, and that's how rapid I really do feel like it has changed. Yeah. Uh, I think the difference is uh, we're trying to preserve our, our life. And so we, we in, instead of, uh, you know, dying to ourselves, and right. instead of taking up our cross uh, for the case of Christ and for the cause of the kingdom of God, we we want to preserve our our life by not uh, taking uh, the gospel into a lost and dying world hmm. for fear that we will lose our job, we will lose yeah. our comfort. There's a there's a very real possibility somewhere down the line we might even lose our, our, our physical freedoms, our families, or yeah. friendships, uh, you know, yeah. there's, th- those things are a very real possibility on down the road. And so I think that's why we've seen maybe what, what, you know, 50 years ago was fear of man. Like I, yeah. I'm a believer and I, maybe I fear your opinion of me, uh, but I wasn't really concerned that I needed to preserve my own life. But now I, I do feel like that is a very real threat in, in some quarters. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's funny. Just today, I got nervous. Um, this is this is inter- just a sign of the times that we're in. You know, like you say, in the last ten years, I wouldn't have even thought this was even possible ten years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I got a text from my wife today. She's currently at work, and uh, as you know, today is like May. I think today's May eighteenth or nineteenth, eighteenth, and um, Pride Month starts June first, according to my Apple Apple calendar here. <laughs> I looked, and um, just today at work, uh, my wife was offered uh, the opportunity to put a pride badge, a uh, pride emblem on her work badge as mm. a show of solidarity. Mm-hmm. And I praise God that she was on the phone because she was able to just kind of act distracted and do a thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And she has no interest, certainly, in putting that on her phone. <laughs> you know, uh, that wouldn't surprise anybody who knows her. But um, 
that mere action, which in the past, you know, probably would have, you know, 10 years ago may not have always been met with the most excitement or anything by just the average person. At the same time, you're like, that's eh, America. Do what you want to do. You know, now, like, because that happened, I joke, my first response was to joke around with her. Well, I'll start, prepa- I'll start preparing your resume, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm, yeah. you know, like mostly joking, Sure. mostly joking, you know, again, she, she is a government employee. She does have, I would assume first amendment protection, but like, you know, it, at the same time, like, you know, we, 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 we have a fear that something like that mm. could happen with her job one day. Yeah. You know, we're like, you better, you better fall in line with whatever the, the mainstream thinking is these days, or you're going to lose your job, you know, even, even here in the country. So, yeah. so I guess my next question is for you now, like, how do we apply the story of the Gibeonites yeah. as Christians? How do we navigate the waters? Yeah. These murky waters that are in front of us. Yeah. I've, I, as I was thinking about uh, our conversation today, Andrew, I, I feel like a couple of uh, passages from the Gospel of Luke. Um, of course, I'm a pastor, so I'll probably talk about uh, the Bible <laughs> in a couple of places. But um, I think the these two passages in Luke, I think, probably should anchor how we think about this and, okay. and uh, overall. And the, the first one is um, really well known from Luke 9, uh, where, where, where Jesus talks about, uh, you know, don't fear the one that can take, uh, that take your life. Fear the one that can take away your, your soul, that you mm. can lose your soul. Um, and, and so in, in a very real way, yes, we could lose our jobs. Yeah. Uh, we, like I said, we we could lose physical freedom. No uh, we're, we could lose tax status uh, <laughs> as as nonprofit. Yeah, uh, all those things are very possible. But yeah. are we going to fear that, or are we going to fear the one who could literally yeah. uh, cast our soul away? Yeah. Uh, and so I think that anchors us. And then I also think on the other end, what what anchors us is a passage out of uh, Luke fourteen, same same gospel, a little bit later on, where Jesus talks about. Uh, that you, that the, the, the one who is to be his disciple takes up his own cross yeah. and counts the cost of being his disciple. He talks about a man who desires to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. He does. He, he does do that um, because you need to know what you're getting yourself into, essentially. Mm. And so there's, there's wisdom there. It's heavy. I think when we slow down and consider that, that we, we need to count the costs of following Jesus. We yeah. need to consider what it's going to take to lay that, down that foundation on Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, that helps us to slow down and, and understand that the fear, the recoil that we have in, in self-preservation uh, is, is not what God is calling us to do. He's calling us to rest on Him, yeah. uh, to build our house on solid rock. Yeah. Um, and know that in him we have life. Yeah. Um, and in him, we, we, he set, tells us the world will hate us. He tells us that. Yeah. Uh, we'll have trials and tribulations in this life, but if we're anchored in him, uh, then we really have all we need. Yeah. Um, even Absolutely. when all the storms come, and, and they're coming, they're here. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and so we, we, we have that great hope in Jesus Christ. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I find rest. Uh, two thoughts come to mind. I find rest, you know, in knowing the one thing I keep saying to myself every time I read some, some news, you know, whether it's cultural or whether it's breaking news or something like that, that really causes me to get in a bad mood or causes me to get down. Uh, 
I, I, I mean, I'll confess, I spend way too much time on social media, you know, and I know we have friends who spend no time on it. And I used to, I took like two years off from it, basically, other than advertising my gigs and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I've kind of, it's crept back into my life and I've noticed having some negative patterns, yeah. you know, on my mental state and, and yeah. stuff and spiritual life, even at times. And, you know, one thing though, that I, that I keep preaching back to myself whenever I'm down about one of those things is one day every knee will bow. Yeah. You know, not just our knees worshiping God, but every right. knee, every tribe and tongue will know who the Lord is. Right. You know, and so, yeah, are we going to face persecution? Yeah, and I think anybody listening to this podcast knows that that kind of comes with being a Christian. Yeah. You know, but I mean, even to the, you know, like as a kid, I'd be like, you know, as a, as a young believer, you know, let's say, I came to know the Lord in seventh grade, you know, and I remember being in high school thinking like, okay, if Columbine happens here, you know, and they go room to room, you know, are you a Christian, you know, mm. and they shoot you because you say yes, mm. would you do that? And I'd, I'd say, yeah, I would, I mm. would. The, the Lord only knows the truth to that answer, you know, there's no way I could, I could know for sure. Yeah. And it's kind of a, a shallow thing, I mean, not shallow thing, but it's kind of a, a simple thing way to think about it, like when I'm 15. But now yeah. that I'm 36 and I've got, Two kids who can't fend for themselves, right? You know, and I've got a wife who's respected, who I love, who has a great job, you know, and you know, so many more ties and so much more responsibility on my shoulders as a as a man who's trying to follow God's commands in my life. Man, like these pressures, like they really, they really add up, you yeah. know. <laughs> like, yeah. it's 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 no wonder I've got more and more gray hair every time I go to the barber. Like, yeah, you know, like I. It's, I think all the time, like I, I, I'm prone to worry, Sure. you know, like I, I think with you and with other friends of mine, I come across as pretty calm and collected or cool at least, you know, or go with the flow kind of guy. But like late at night, like when I'm by myself, like I, I worry about stuff, yeah. you know, like I, I, and I have to preach back to myself. I have to take yeah. a minute and say, look, the Lord is in control. You know, he's the one who sets rulers and authorities over us. Um, the Lord is the same yesterday, today, tomorrow, forever. Mm-hmm. You know, he's unchanging. And yes, every knee will bow. Like he is the final answer. The Lord is going to be the final answer yeah. one day. Right. You know, and so there are, are there injustices that we face? Are there injustices in general in the world? Absolutely. Yeah. It's just the part of living in a fallen world. Right. But all these wrongs will be made right. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I think that, and I hear that, uh, that there is, there is a lot. I mean, the reason God says do not fear more than any other command in the Bible is because mm. we live in a scary world. I don't think I realize that. No, do not fear. Don't fear. Fear not <laughs> uh, is the most common command. And so we're not supposed to fear. Like, that's not the, that's not what we're supposed to do. But we have the reality that, that you know, in 2023 and 1923 and in 623, there was a lot to be worried about. Yeah. Um, we have our particular challenges now, uh, but what's what's so? What does God call us to do? Um, because I don't think the answer is to fear the culture. I mean, I think that's what's leading to self-preservation, to acquiescing, to Absolutely. compromise. That you know, you, obviously, when you begin to do that, you look more like the culture at large than than the kingdom of God. Yeah. Uh, and so that that's not what we want. So if we don't fear. And if we don't acquiesce, then, then what are we called to do? Well, we're called to love. I mean, that's, that's that is 
the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I really do think that we have the opportunity as believers in this time and place, you know, to love those around us uh, and to stand firm on Christ in the way that we love our neighbor. Do we demolish arguments? Of course, Paul says that. Uh, Paul, Paul makes that argument in Second Corinthians that there's arguments and worldviews and philosophies that we that he says do we demolish and we, yeah. we do that with the gentleness of Christ and the winsomeness of Jesus Christ but we still demolish arguments yeah but we don't demolish people um, mm. you know people uh, need the hope of the gospel yeah uh, no doubt. The, the the people that are that are lost and blinded and and have pushed uh, you know humanism and secularism and you know yeah. radicalism i mean every all of these things first of all we see them in our own heart right. we recognize that those things either were there before god saved us and then we still know that as believers the vestiges of sin of the sinful man are still there so yeah. we do the work to lay those things before the Lord and repent and love one another in the church. You know, Jesus says the way that you love one another, that's going to be attractive to the world around you. Mm. Um, but we love people in the midst of a culture that doesn't agree with the type of love that we're talking about, a love right. that is truth and love. Mm. It's loving you. And do you have a category for me being able to love you while I disagree with you? Yeah. Um, and that's just such a rare thing these days. But, yeah. I, but I really think that is what God has always called his people to be and to do, right. is to love um, and to show that love in, in a way that explicitly shares the gospel and shows the gospel yeah. and is attractive to a lost and dying world. I really believe that even, even in 2023, when it doesn't seem like that's the case, um, we can, through knowledge of scripture and through understanding a biblical worldview, we can demolish arguments, yeah. but we don't demolish people. Uh, we desire mm. for all to be saved, just like God. Absolutely. Absolutely. You said a few weeks ago when we had lunch uh, together, something that was so brief and profound, and maybe you were quoting someone else. I'm not sure, but... Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate your frankness, your honesty, yeah. but you said something that, that stuck with me. Has really been bouncing in my head a whole lot, especially as I read, you know, these arguments on Twitter and whatnot. And it was, you know, we we demolish the false theology, but not the person, mm -hmm. you know. And and that even that alone is so countercultural. You know, we live in an age right now where if you're not in line with the mainstream, like man, they don't just want to tell you you're wrong. Like they want your job, they want your house, they want everything to, for you to fail forever. Yeah, you know, and we're not coming to it from that point of view, right? You know, and, and hand in hand, I had another thought actually a second ago when you're explaining that is, it, and this kind of comes back to parenting is a lot of, there's an analogy to this with parenting is yeah. that love is not always saying yes. Oh, sure. You know, Absolutely. obviously, you know, if yeah. my, my two-year-old daughter, I got onto her today and I had to be firm with her, she was running down the hallway with a pencil mm -hmm. in her hand. Right. You know, and I, you know, I caught up to her and of course if you chase a toddler while she's running she's going to run faster <laughs> yeah. so i mean i had to sprint down the hallway and grab her and took the pencil from her and yeah. she immediately started melting down and screaming and as soon as she calmed down you know thankfully she got over this one pretty quickly i said babe i gotta teach teach you something you're holding this pencil what if you fall mm -hmm. and she said i drop it yeah. and i said no watch if i fall and this pencil's right here the pencil's gonna stab you right in the belly mm -hmm. and you're gonna bleed out mm-hmm you know, like you, you have to go to the hospital or worse. Like, 
you, you can't run with a pencil like this baby. Yeah. You know, you can walk with a pencil, but you need to not run with it, you know? Right. And, and I say that because I hate her. No, certainly not. Oh, absolutely. Not. I say that because I love her and I right. want her to be preserved. I want her to right. have a long, fruitful life and outlive me, you right. know? So, you know, I, is it possible then that's leading me to a follow up question. Is it possible then to, to see, you know, one of the, the glaring example that comes to my mind, you know, is the, the so-called homosexual Christian, hmm. you know, uh, just cause it's, it's, Hey, we're coming up on pride month. You know, it's at the forefront of my mind right now. Like mm-hmm. you see these people who say, Oh, I love Jesus and I'm gay, mm-hmm. you know? And if you don't affirm me, like you are being hateful, you're being hurtful, Yeah, you know? And, and from my point of view, I think there's nothing more loving than to tell someone that yes, you are in sin, and even better, there is a Savior who will forgive sin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, with that with that issue in particular, I think there's a there's a misunderstanding that uh, someone who uh, does not have proclivities in that direction, someone who doesn't uh, struggle in in that area, or someone who uh, even as would be as uh, would go as far as to say that they're gay or homosexual. Uh-huh. Um, there's a, I think there's a misunderstanding that uh, that the those of us uh, who don't struggle with that don't have unwanted desires. Right. Like we all have unwanted desires that we are called to put to death. Absolutely. Um, and I think it's part Not, of yeah. yeah. It's part of dying to oneself. It's part of taking up our. I mean, cross. you're describing temptation of any sort. Right. Yeah. And so I think, I mean, that, that issue in particular, I think uh, there's a desire to hold on to uh, an aspect of one's identity before coming to know the Lord. Um, right. And if you've truly come to know the Lord, there's nothing in the previous nature, in the previous life that you want to grab onto and still hold as part of your identity. Absolutely. Um, but I think there, there is a, clearly there's a laying down of one's life and putting to death desires that are contrary to the Lord, but it's not just someone who struggles with homosexuality. It's all of us. Uh, of course. Uh, yeah. and so I think there's a, there's a way to, I really do think there's a way to engage in that conversation, you know, and not all of us too, Andrew, I think, you know, we've talked about this too. You know, sometimes it seems like these issues are so big and on such a large scale in many ways they are, but like we're, we're called to be faithful for the time and place that God has given us and our sphere and right. our certainly our families yeah. um, and then our neighbors and the people that we come in contact with. So even we can have these conversations with individual people. Not all of us are called to run for office. Some of us are. <laughs> yeah. uh, not all of us are going to have huge platforms where we reach thousands of people at once. Right. Uh, some of us are. Right. Uh, but But all of us are called to interact with the world, not be you know, of the world, but we're certainly in it. And yeah. so how do, how do we have that conversation with someone who says, I'm a gay Christian or I'm a homosexual yeah. Christian? Well, first of all, it comes with asking a lot of questions about what does that even mean? Like, what do you mean by that? Right. Uh, and yeah. then being able to go level the playing field and go, you know what, I have a ton of unwanted desires that I have to put to death. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know that's hard. You know, mm-hmm. what does that look like for you? Right. And just, and just go from there. Right. 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 Well, yeah. I mean, and, and even backing up a step from that a bit, like you will not be able to speak truth in someone's life if you don't know the truth yourself. Mm-hmm. 
Sure. You know, uh, in my first episode, I quoted Psalm 119, 105. It's kind of become like a motto of yeah. mine over the last few years. Like, man, the, your word is a lamp to my feet and yeah. a light into my path. You know, it's such a brief statement, but a man, it makes, I mean, this book here in front of us, it has so much knowledge. Yeah. It's living, it's active, right. you know? And so, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, I guess I asked that question. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think we, we, we have, we see, excuse me, I kind of lost my thought. We see so many churches in our area, in our community and around this country who, call themselves quote unquote affirming in that area, mm-hmm. you know, and that's why it brings my, to my mind because I, I agree completely. Like once you come to know the Lord, all of your identities other than being a, a disciple, becoming to become a disciple of Christ, you know, like all those other identities are so secondary to everything else, yeah. you know, like, am I, I'm proud to be a musician. I'm proud to be a husband. I'm proud of, the things I've accomplished, I'm proud of my children, you know, but there's nothing that compares to the goodness of knowing the Lord, right? You know, yeah. And, and well, it's not only I mean, it, the part of the story, the 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 incomplete part of the story is uh, that you're dying to yourself, that you put to death unwanted desires, you put to to death that which doesn't please the Lord. And you're only right. able to do that Thank because you. of yeah. the, the Spirit of God that resides in the believer. Mm. And the other part of the story is the glorious part, is that we have life to the full. We have joy, uh, joy and life, peace and life because of Jesus Christ. And so, yeah, uh, you know, really... To, to herald that good news and to, to understand that whatever you're putting to death and, and you know, whatever you're deni- uh, denying in, in and of yourself um, to pick up your cross, that's leading to joy. That's leading to life abundant. That's leading to presence with uh, the creator of the universe and the savior of your soul. Yeah. Um, and so that, that ultimately is what we all want. That's all, that's what we're all looking for. Uh, those of us who are in Christ, God has had immense grace, uh, oh, super gosh. abundant grace yeah. to save us yeah. from darkness. And those who are still trapped in darkness and blinded by sin, they're looking for the same thing. They just are blinded. And so we just pray that God would open their eyes. Uh, yeah. pray that, and, he, and he chooses to do, do that so often through these conversations that are frank that maybe are awkward at times, um, but we're called to, to, to love our neighbor yeah. uh, and love our neighbor with the truth, but still love, love our neighbor. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I've been telling our oldest uh, son, who's 13, as I mentioned, um, that, that we really are exiles and sojourners in this world, mm. um, but that we shouldn't, and this kind of goes back to the sin of self-preservation, we shouldn't uh, like try to take take that off uh as as a as a like a badge to wear like we're exiles and sojourners we should actually embrace that yeah, i was telling him like you're gonna be the kid that is gonna be different at times and think differently about sundays uh, maybe the rest of your team's playing baseball on sunday but they're, yeah. they're gonna know you as the yeah jack's the one whose family goes to church on sunday <laughs> so that might might be a little awkward at first but embrace that Embrace the fact that you're an exile and sojourner in this yeah. world, um, because this isn't this isn't truly our home. Yeah. This is a home that's being transformed, and we're seeing more and more uh, family members being adopted by our good Father, and then one day we'll be home, and we will Absolutely. no longer be sojourners and exiles. That's interesting, uh, you know, about your son, because I think about 
uh, what they, you know, they always, they always talk about different generations, you know, and I'm not sure if you'd qualify as a millennial or not. I know I am. I'm a Gen Xer, man. You're a Gen Xer. I'm old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So yeah, I always, you know, we're, we have a lot of similar interests, but you know, I'm a, I'm a millennial, you know, but your kids would obviously be Gen Z, mm-hmm. you know, and they talk about, you know, Gen Z, like uh, they're very interested in, uh, a authenticity, which is great, but B, mm-hmm. they're interested in individuality. Mm-hmm. You know, and so praise God that that is a trait because it will allow our children, my children will be in this to that's good to be yeah. uh, individuals, you know, right. to, to have, you know, if their faith is authentic and as it's growing, like, yeah, you know, they don't always they, they want to be on. They don't want to be lumped in with everybody else. And I yeah, in some ways that could work out really well for the sake of the gospel. Yeah, I think in and of itself, that's not a bad thing. I think when it, where it's gone sideways is when we feel like we can create our own identity. When that yeah. when that desire for individuality le- leads you to think that you're the creator of your own identity and, or our and own theologies or exactly that yeah. you're autonomous, that you're yeah. you have the self autonomy, which is we know is not true. I mean, no. we're tempted that way, but yeah. we're given our identity by someone from the outside, right? Um, sure. And and we're part of a we're part of a, a culture. We're part of a group. We're part of the the body of Christ, uh, and so we're not Lone Ranger. We don't get just to do whatever we want. No. Um, and I think that's an important uh, that's a portion an important teaching moment for my son, who's Gen Z. But I think even as a Gen Xer, I still have the same inclinations. You know, wanting to do yeah. whatever I want uh, and just know that I can't. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Jeff, thank you for coming in. Before we wrap up this podcast, I want to run. I ran these by you earlier, and you seemed <laughs> you seemed willing to, to play ball with me a little I'll bit. And I appreciate it. Yeah, I wanted to ask you just a few lighthearted, fun questions, just so our listeners can get to know you. Um, just so I get to know you a little better too. What is uh, one book other than the Bible that has deeply shaped your personal theology? Yeah, I've been asked this before, and for whatever reason, I just have a hard time like. Like, there's no one book that I'm like, yeah, immediately it's this yeah. book. Well, what's, what's a good one you've but, read lately? What's well, it, well, what I would say is that um, it's an author, um, because I love biblical counseling, maybe maybe some of uh, your listeners uh, would have heard of a man named Ed Welch. Okay. Uh, Ed Welch is a biblical counselor, a uh, prolific author, and he did write a book several years ago called Running Scared, and it was about fear of man. It was really more about anxiety in general, but he uh, includes in that the fear of man. And I actually think uh, would probably uh, agree with what we're saying about self-preservation as a sin and being part of fear of man, kind of the two being closely related. He also has maybe a more popular book that some some more people may have heard of called When People Are Big and God is Small. Hmm. Um, and those two books were very instructive for me as a early, as a young believer, uh, probably at this point, like that was close to 20 years ago. Okay. Um, and I really love Ed Welch uh, and his approach and his tone and his wisdom. Uh, but in specifically in this area of fear of man, I think it's been really instructive uh, for me. And so I would, I don't know if I'd say either one of those books, but I would certainly say the author Ed Welch Ed is Welch. my yeah. my favorite. I have to check him out. The name rings a bell. I think I've heard of him mentioned yeah. before, you know. Yeah, several uh, books. We re- read one uh, as a church back, back in the fall, Caring for One Another. Oh, yeah. That's probably why yeah. I recognize and, yeah, okay. uh, I mean, he's written probably 25-plus books at this oh, okay. point. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. I'll have to check those out. I like that. What second question here? What is your most controversial opinion about any sort of type of food? <laughs> I laughed at this question because a few few people know, know this about me. I hate chocolate. 
Well, I, my goodness. I, I think and podcast over. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's sacrilegious. I think chocolate is so foul and bitter and gross. Foul. Oh man. No way. It is. You're talking about just dark chocolate. I'm talking about all of it, man. No it way. Is, uh, I and I, oh, <laughs> I've never liked it. It caused a lot of heart heartache as a kid when is, you know I'd be at birthday parties. I've and, never heard this. I mean, I've known you for like a year oh now. Oh my I've never gosh. Once heard this. I would be, I remember several birthday parties as a kid where there was chocolate cake and I would just cry because I couldn't have any because uh, I thought it was so gross. Still. Yeah. And so I've tried, I've tried over the years. Occasionally I'll, I'll see some chocolate or my boys will be having, my boys love chocolate and mm. I'll like, Hey, give me a small piece of that. I just want to see maybe my taste buds have changed. They haven't. It's gross. <laughs> it's like you had the COVID. It's like you had COVID and the taste <laughs> changed, but it just, you know. No, I just, I, I just can't do chocolate. That's unbelievable. No. Cause I've had friends like who've been allergic to chocolate, which yeah. I thought was surely a sign of the fall. And then <laughs> this is even worse. This is just, <laughs> this is me choosing not to an eat abomin- chocolate. This is almost abominable. Really? I, I can't I've disqualified that. myself. Yeah, I'm pretty sorry. much man. Like, so you not even hot chocolate, not even no. like, Oh my gosh, I can't chocolate think of anything. sauce on vanilla ice cream. No. Uh, not even, uh, you know, like one of my favorite things is like raspberry and chocolate together. Oh no, you're, li- you're like, you just squinched your face. No, and I, especially thinking about drinking chocolate, that is even worse. Like, why would you do that? <laughs> I can't believe what I'm hearing right now. It's unbelievable. My daughter would cry. Like, as much as, as much as, I can't tell who likes chocolate more, whether it's my wife or my daughter, yeah. but they are, it's just, it's been one of the funniest things to see about her grow, you know, now that she's eating solids for every yeah. meal and stuff and has yeah. been. Like, the first time she had chocolate, she's like, more? <laughs> more more well, then, see i observe that in other people they oh, seem to really love it oh yeah and even dark chocolate too she's all about it like it, my wife will get out the the 70 percent dark and my daughter will be just all over it mm. wow unbelievable so yeah. all right one last question kind of a silly one here uh you're going to be put into a barehanded <laughs> fight to the death and if you survive, you'll be given great fame and fortune, something I know that you've always wanted. I treasure that. Yeah. Uh, what Would you rather fight against 100 duck-sized horses or a single horse-sized duck? Such a great question. And I'm, uh, I'm, this is a, one instance I'm, I'm sad that we're not on camera because if anyone were to see me, they would know that if I were ever put to the to a hand, like a hand combat fight to death. Yeah, no weapons. Sorry. They, you could look at me and know that I'm not I'm not going to win. <laughs> I'm sorry. In either scenario. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> That's the short answer. It doesn't matter. Uh, but I, I would think it would be the one horse-sized duck. Is that really? the thing? Yeah. Yeah, because uh, I always want something that I'm battling in front of me huh. uh, to be able to see uh-huh. what I'm, what I'm, what I'm up against. You want something knee height. I don't want something knee high that that if there are a hundred of them, they're probably around me and I can't you. see them. It'll trip you for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, so I just want full. I, I don't want any blind spots. I want to have full vision of that horse-sized duck mm-hmm. right in front of me. Now, whether or not I win, probably not. But at least I can see him, <laughs> and I'll take him on. I'll take him on over the hundred around my my ankles, biting them. Oh, uh, I love it. I love it. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for coming in, man. Thanks for having I me. I really, man. really appreciate. It. We'll have to do this again. I it's, love it. Uh, Great night here. This is Jeff Jamison. My name is Andrew Sullivan. Thank you for listening. You are listening to the Defiant Dad Podcast. Check us out online at defiantdad.com where you can listen to past episodes about the show, uh, learn more about our guests, and of course, send me a message if you have any feedback. Also, check us out on Instagram at the Defiant Dad. <laughs>